the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Right here, right now, this is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week, we take a journey back in time. We go back and look at the finer things of the wrestling world, all the way back to the World Wrestling Federation's new generation, the mid-90s, 93 to 97-ish. This week we're gonna do a little riffing, maybe a little a uh, little trivia. But I'm joined by one of my favorite people in all of podcasting land, the Aussie guy, Dean Galloway, spending his evening with me as I'm spending my morning with him. I love that. <laughs> so what's up, Dean? <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Uh, uh, by the way, I absolutely love your intro music. <laughs> I, I always bop around to it uh, when I listen to your show, and uh, I find myself just humming the tune. Uh, later on so yeah big shout out for your intro music and look at us spending the night and the morning together isn't that like just we're just a lovely couple it's very uh, nice going on here so no great to be back mate i always appreciate you uh yeah reaching out and saying let's go talk face to face there man yeah i like to go through the rolodex i like to go and see uh, who can i recycle uh you know Husey needed a week off so uh <laughs> you know i figured i'll just stick uh, outside of my country and go find my other favorite person international so i got you <laughs> so we, what are we doing we're talking uh, lex luger SummerSlam. we're gonna do uh, lex luger SummerSlam 93 the deep dive for the 17th yeah. time uh absolutely gonna cover it one more time uh lex luger and tatanka were you shocked <laughs> Did it surprise you? Were we, were we surprised? Look, I'm always surprised uh, by anything Lex Luger does. Uh, I think that's he might be the most surprising wrestler. And, you know, he he showed up at that first Nitro, all that. Mm -hmm. You know, he mm -hmm. didn't win the title at SummerSlam, the Tatanka thing. Like, he might, it, let's, say, let's say it right now, he might be the most surprising wrestler in, uh, in wrestling history. It is not the most surprising turn I think I've ever seen of all time. I've seen other turns that have surprised yeah. me more, but that one definitely on the top of the list, maybe at the top, but we've done about 55 episodes of new generation about Lex Luger in 1993. And uh, quite frankly, I'm, or excuse me, 1994. We've done both. Why the hell is Luger the marquee guy <laughs> for, yeah. for this show? I got to kind of, maybe I got to veer off the Luger path a little bit. Yeah. Maybe um, try and figure out something that somebody else has worked on and then you can just capitalize on, you know? That's true. That's true. Maybe I'll just do that. I'll, I'll try to figure out what works, throw it up against the wall, see what sticks. But I digress. We'll, uh, we'll see what's going on in New Generation land this week. Last time you were on, we talked about the Bushwhackers and their uh, glorious 95-96 run of uh, going from, uh, what we say, Austin? <laughs> no, they went from New Zealand to Australia, right? And we were a little... Yeah perplexed by that um still i've actually talked to luke since didn't get a chance to uh to bring it up but uh nonetheless you should, uh, oh, you, you should have told him the joke i told you remember that joke i told you about the, she the sheep in the fence oh. that one? That, <laughs> yeah. you should have told he, that to luke he would have loved it he was a lovely man he had many an innuendo to uh share with francine when he was on with us which is a little <laughs> off-putting you know he's like 74 years old a little little off-putting yeah uh yeah. but nonetheless you know I, I think when i have you on i uh I don't always love to go down the, the, the reflection route and let's bring up something else. I wanted to do something different. Um, I said, we'll riff a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Are do you, so what do you guys have over there? Do you have the network still? Has it evolved to Peacock? What do you guys have for your classic content provided by WWE? Yeah. So we've still got the network and I've actually let my subscription lapse uh, a okay. long time ago. So, uh, so I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, ha I haven't been uh, taking advantage of it, but so basically, yeah, we just get like exactly what you guys get pretty much, except now that you guys have moved over to Peacock, but uh, we get raw and SmackDown on our cable. NXT is all on the, on the cable networks. Okay. And then, yeah, the network, uh, 
as it used to be for you guys, the network for all the pay-per-views and that. You can still order pay-per-view, which I don't – why would you in this day and age? Right, yeah, you can still do it in the States. Yeah. You know, I don't – I wouldn't do it. You know, I know Jim Cornette does it. He might be the yeah. only person that I know of. But can you imagine still plunking down 60 bucks for a yeah. uh, for a pay-per-view at this point in, you know, in your life, <laughs> knowing what you know? <laughs> I mean, I never used to pay that back in the day. I think they were like forty bucks, fifty bucks. I mean, with the with the change in um, with the transfer of the the dollar to from US to Australian. But look, ten bucks a month. I mean, Cornet's insane, isn't he? Like, yeah. You've got you've got your guy doing your cameos and all that now. Get him to plug a HDMI cable to your that's friggin' it. laptop and, <laughs> that's and it. Get, you know, come on, man. Like he's funny with some of the different things that uh, you know, he he like people say he's stuck in the past technology wise, he definitely is. So now during this era, I wanna say the pay per views here were were thirty nine ninety five. I, I think at one point they might have gone up to fifty. But I could be wrong. I, I might have my my data messed up. I, I know the the VHS copies when they would finally come out on Coliseum Video were sometimes anywhere between forty and sixty dollars. Mm. But I remember the in your house pay per views dropped. Now I don't know if you guys had the same thing. So in your house, if you you went from paying twenty nine ninety five or thirty nine ninety five, in your house was fourteen ninety five, but it was an hour right. shorter. Yeah. So I don't believe we got any pay-per-view in terms of like we could watch it live on pay-per-view really? back yeah in that era i know we got so cable television really didn't exist in australia until the late 90s okay uh, so you so see you're talking more attitude era and even cable had raw late like two weeks late or three weeks late uh, you, you weren't getting it live but then you started being able to buy pay-per-views because i so i don't think in your house existed unless you know a pub with a big satellite dish or, or something like that uh a bar whatever maybe they they play it but i don't think anybody had pay-per-views into their home in australia in the in the new generation era the mid 90s hmm. early mid 90s yeah i know uh, in the uk sky sports they were like a pay channel but they weren't necessarily a pay-per-view channel it was like you know, uh, back in the day, we used to have something called Sports Channel, and that was an extra, like, you know, five bucks a month to add to your cable package. And I think that's what they did. But I remember, I and mean, you can see them on YouTube now, you'll see, like, you know, the uh, the commercials for the videos. And I guess the videos really were the main source to get it. But how long after, you know, is it getting on video? I used, used to think it would be months and months and months before it hit something international until I worked at WWE and saw how fast they got the tapes out. You know, they, they literally were like, you know, loading them the next day onto uh, you know, a UPS truck and getting them out of uh, the facility. But was there a lag? Do you remember from when the pay-per-view would actually happen to when you would have, you know, see it on a home video? Uh, yeah, look, it, it's really hard to remember exactly like well, because make it up then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm trying to I'm trying to sit there and remember. I, I know that because I went back and watched a lot of stuff from the past. So I found myself going to the video store and and watching old pay-per-views, you know, that were there. And I'm trying to remember when I was actually into it watching it all the time and live. You, you know what? You probably I would say a month or two. Okay. I would say after a pay pay per view, you you'd probably see that video and then later DVD uh, in the in the video store. So, yeah, a month or two turnaround. But once again, it, for me, I'm like I'm an attitude era guy, and that's why it's always interesting uh, talking new generation with you because I've sort of learnt about it uh, in hindsight a little right. bit more than um, actually witnessing it at the time. And like in the attitude era. Uh, things started to happen and and I think it all sort of it all sort of began like I, I think my link to the new generation era it all sort of began with Michael Jordan and and okay. the and the basketball boom uh, where where that started coming into Australia I think wrestling sort of followed along with that uh, a little bit and um, although we we always had wrestling for years it it was never really a mainstream thing where you got to see it you know, regularly on your television. Yeah, it's a good link, the Michael Jordan era of basketball to this new generation because that's kind of like I think where a lot of people went, you know, that were mm. watching in the classic years of the WWF and were looking for other things as they were getting older and 
basketball was right there. You know, Michael Jordan, Space Jam, the whole nine yards kind of took over. And it was a great distraction if you were looking for something and you were tired of these characters we talk about every week. Uh, but very interesting. That's uh, that's quite the thing. And you talked about it last time you were on. You're a huge basketball fan, which I think is awesome, you know. To, and uh, um, uh, Atlanta Hawks, was that your, your oh, team? Yes, well done. Well done. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's tremendous that so you remember yeah. that. Yeah, Atlanta Hawks, my team. And um, for the first time since Dominic Wilkins, uh, having Trey Young uh, for the Atlanta Hawks has made me really excited to be Atlanta Hawks fan. He he balled out in the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, very, very excited to be a Hawks fan at the moment, a young player. Uh, but, yeah, I, what I will say is um, with the Jordan link, I think when Jordan was done the second time and not the last time, but when he finished his sixth championship run, it was like the world needed a new superstar and suddenly there was Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know? Like it yeah, was just yeah. like, yeah, that's kind of the link. that I, I kind of went from basketball and then over to wrestling after that, like in the Attitude Era. So, yeah, it's a... I feel there's a, a little bit of a link there with uh, with basketball and wrestling. It's a great point. It really is an excellent point because if you think about other sports from that era, you know, Ken Griffey Jr.'s heyday, I would say, was like 90 to 98. You know, Jordan is basically, you know, the mid-80s to 98. Wayne Gretzky is, you know, the late 70s to 1999 in hockey. You know, Joe Montana's uh, retired by the mid-90s. You know, all these iconic sports stars are kind of starting to retire and fade into the sunset. And wrestling, which had been quiet essentially for 10 years, maybe a little bit less, maybe eight years, explodes back into the mainstream with Stone Cold Steve Austin just as Jordan hits that shot in June 98. Well, <laughs> and, exactly. And oh, that, yeah. That really, Austin's catapulted. In March and in June, Austin is everywhere. You go into every shop possible. It didn't matter what it was. They had a wrestling shirt. They had wrestling yeah. magazines. I remember going to the grocery store and them having the wrestling tapes that were now back in, in you know, uh, regular rotation. And it was like, damn, like this is all because of Steve Austin. But you did not see it out of a guy like Bret Hart or Lex Luger or Diesel or Shawn Michaels. And it's weird that this era is what it is because – what what was the difference with Austin coming in in 96 to 98? All those other stars that people yearn for. Oh, when's Brett coming back? Oh, when's Shawn Michaels coming back? But nobody was watching. And that's the fascinating part about it all. It, it really is. And I just want to follow on from what we what you just spoke about. When Austin turned heel in 2001, about eight months later, Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. Yeah, And then it's been been Brady for 20 years. So, yeah, just to follow on from that point. But, yeah, it's it's funny because I, as a wrestling fan, I listen to so many people tell me how great Bret Hart is, how great Shawn Michaels is. And, look, I'm not not a dick. I'm not saying they're not great. But they never did it for me. You know, like, and, and even when I go back, it's just, nah, I'm just, I'm not into that. You know, um, I think a guy like Austin, it was different. That 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 was uh, what was, yeah, the biggest thing. But yeah, go for me going back to those guys, like obviously Nash and and um, Hall had their, you know, had the NWO and did what they did with the NWO. But going back into that early nineties period, you know, early to mid nineties period when when they were in the WWF, I just Nash looked cool. But it, nothing really stood out as different for me personally. Right. Uh, and, 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 and it didn't really grab me like, you know, Hulk Hogan was so huge and we all knew Hulk Hogan. We loved him. And, and, and Savage and, and those guys in the 80s. I just personally felt in the 90s, nothing jumped out, if you know what I mean, like to, to say you need to see this, you need to watch this. Like the guys were perfectly good, but I just personally didn't feel there's nothing special about anyone. Right. Yeah. And it's weird because with Brett, see, uh, you know, I'll still say Hogan, Piper, Savage, they're the, the top three. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's weird with Brett. Brett, to me, is the first believable champion 
because he was a little bit smaller and he fought tooth and nail and he wasn't overpowering you. He had to finesse you to, to get the victory. He had to wear you down. He had to go through that rigmarole of, you know, the Russian leg sweep, the little elbow thing off the top rope, you know, those, those things that set up the sharpshooter, the, you know, the, the, the headbutt to the groin area. So Brett to me, and I, I've said this to Brett when I met him, you know, as, as a huge Mark, like even like three or four years ago, I said like, you were the, the guy I believed the most as the world champion because how hard you had to fight and he didn't seem force fed you know Shawn michaels we were talking about Shawn michaels on this show all the time he seemed very force fed it seems like that vince mcmahon model this is the guy i want you to believe is a champ i'm gonna shove him down your throat you're gonna yeah. like him or you're gonna hate him brett it was just different i don't know and and, and i could see why people don't like a brett match but to me, it's just, I don't know. He just comes off and watching his A&E biography. I don't know if you have. He's just, he's a guy to root for. And as, as people might consider him bitter, he's got his ax to grind. <laughs> but I don't know. To me, Brett is the most believable champion I think they ever had. And in this era, kind of gets overlooked because people tapped out. Yeah. I, you know, that's a, that's a great point you make. And it, it sort of made me rethink what I had to say, what I'll say about Brett. And when you talk about Brett Hart versus Sean Michaels, like I said, I don't like either of them, but I would take Brett over Sean for exactly what you just said is. And one thing I'll say about Brett is he emphasizes the fact that he wanted to make it look like a contest and a sport. And, and that all of that was important to him. And what I'll say is I wish everybody wrestled like Brett Hart. I just, I'm not into Brett Hart. And, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I, I can't really pinpoint. And part of it is a little bit of the, yeah, quote unquote bitterness or whatever. Like he does come across as, as, as very, uh, geez, I can't even think of the word right now, but it, 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 I don't love it. I don't love how, you know, the axe axes that he does have the grind and, and all of that. But, uh, at the same time, Sean Michaels just came across to me as, um, a little bit too much, like it, it, like you're saying, a little bit harder to buy than Brett. Like okay. Brett made you show, showed you what, you know, like the sport of it, and 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 he had tactics, and and Sean was a little, that more flamboyant, and um, and I feel like it, it's it became, you know, the whole more cartoony thing and all that. Like there's the suspension and disbelief has to stretch further with Sean than Brett, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Makes sense. No, I, I, I completely get you. But on the flip side of it, I'm not a big Ric Flair fan. Yeah, okay. I'm I, not either, I, by the way. Flair, to me, it's like, you know, you've seen it once. You've seen it a million times. You know, and it, the promos don't really do it for me. You know, I think there's a lot of fake enthusiasm for Flair these days. Again, he's a guy who was always around, but people now all of a sudden, like, they think that he's Babe Ruth. But he's it's Ric Flair. It's just the same thing. You know, I think he's a little... I'm not going to say the word. You know which one I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it. Let's say overhyped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not over, a big Flair fan. But I saturated see even. Yeah, uh, no, that's a great point. Saturated, yes. So look at this era. So Flair in this era, he's with the WWF up until January uh, 93. Don't In case this is a trivia question, you didn't hear that from me. Um literally no impact because they were like well what's this guy gonna do for us you know and he's gone and and does this thing elsewhere but i see with brett what you're saying but i move it over to rick flair i just never bought the whole rick flair shtick persona whatever not not a fan i don't care if people don't like that how do you like that well <laughs> what do you think here we go well, I'm, I'm just uh, like I'm basically the show now <laughs> yeah it, it, do it i'll finish the show um no <laughs> I anyone listening to this right now is is ready to go. What the fuck is this guy doing on a wrestling podcast? Because I agree with you. I'm not into Ric Flair either. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Ric Flair. I'm not interested. I don't care personally. Okay. That's um that's my thing. And and so many people would possibly have them in their top three. Yeah. And um and they're not in mine. Uh, I'm I'm a character guy. Like I love a good match, but I'm a character guy. You know I love. I love a good character. I love good promos. And I think Ric Flair's, a lot of Ric Flair's promos were nonsensical and just way over the top, personally. So, no, I'm with you. Fuck I Ric think Flair. it's chic 
to say you're a Flair fan. Mm. I don't think that many people are. You go now. I've been to the conventions in Charlotte, you know, in the North Carolina area. Those guys, they're Flair fans, and they're weird. They're they're weird country bumpkins, and I'm not, uh, you know, they're not my people. And if Jack Hunter's listening to this, I'm just kidding, Jack. But because he's the coolest uh, guy from the South I've ever met. But with that being said, uh, you're international to to us. You know, who was marketed to you? So Austin was marketed to everybody. Hogan was marketed to everybody. Is a guy like Shawn Michaels translatable internationally where maybe different countries have different views of different people? Yeah, look, I knew nothing of, to be totally honest, knew nothing of Shawn Michaels until I became a big wrestling fan, which was when he was out with a back injury. Uh, I think I said on, <laughs> yeah, um, I think I said to you the last time I was on, I remember the Bret Hart shades that he used to give to the to, to yes. the kid in the front row. I do remember those. Um, so yeah, I think definitely that, I think maybe it was starting to fade, you know, but there was still a bit going on and that's why we got, I, I guess, a little bit of the beginning of Bret Hart, but it definitely died off in this period. Like I don't remember seeing like too much going on uh, from WWE or WWF at the time merchandise uh, during this, you know, as you hit sort of what, 90 late 94 into 95 96 those years it wrestling was not brought up in australia at all you know and and right. i did remember the hogan hogan and piper and you know all that um macho man all that in the late 80s uh but yeah as, as it went into the 90s it was sort of up there and then just boom it was disappeared and then obviously came back with yeah austin got marketed huge the rock the rock became massive and and by by 2000 everything everything was out there we all knew we all knew who the top stars were uh by that period of time but yeah in the new generation era it really did plummet heavily and there was there was not much going on from wwe into into australia we just did 21 minutes of riffing isn't that beautiful well you know what did i tell I'm you riffing. that's what I'm it's all pro, about man. And, yeah. and and I, all I'm going to say to close that out is I follow an account now that's a Peacock updater, right? So it tells you what classic content was just updated to Peacock. And whoever this person is, one has no life. That's number one, because they're literally sitting there scouring through the Peacock archives. But two, they just uploaded all the Coliseum videos. So to me, that's great because that's the link that somebody like me, that's how I discovered and loved wrestling was through the Coliseum videos. And for those Fans that can't sit there and go through, you know, hours of superstars and sit there at three o'clock in the morning and watch it on YouTube all night long or on Facebook. They can go to Peacock and watch a Coliseum video and condense their viewing because that was the recaps. And there's a ton from the new generation. They pumped out a lot in the new generation and then cut it off. They were done with it. Coliseum video faded, but they stopped these like, you know, conglomerated releases of, Hey, here's a match from Raw. Here's a match from Superstars. Oh, here's a match from a uh, house show that we recorded. And that's stuff that I grew up on. That's how I kind of raised myself in learning about wrestling. Uh, and I'm glad that they're putting that on Peacock because you need those, damn it. You need them to kind of fill in the, the gaps. No, 100%. And that's like the videos and like obviously it wasn't Coliseum when it came to Australia, but the videos were a big deal for when I first got you know, into wrestling and trying to get videos and stuff. Like, like I said, in the late eighties and that, like I knew Hulk Hogan and I was a fan and, and I got some wrestling toys and stuff like that. But you know, when it came to the time that I got into it in, in the attitude era, like having those videos coming out, like it was, it was such a big deal because the internet was just starting to flourish at that point. But no, I needed to go to the video store and, and, and check out all those videos that the WWE released. Like that was, that was how you caught it uh, back yeah. then. So yeah. Uh, I believe it was uh, silver vision. Silver vision. Yeah. That's, I think that's who distributed to everyone else except for the United States. Yeah. Okay. Could be well, wrong. The, well, you know, you were in those, um, in those studios once upon a time. I, I, I used to follow the Silver Vision video. So now when I first got the internet in 97, and I had to find out where everything was. I followed the Silver Vision 
international site like crazy because it was one of the only websites that was actively up there. And I was like, you know, how do I order from this thing? Like, how do I, <laughs> how do we send them a check? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. is it possible? Are we able to do this? And I would watch that site and they would update stuff all the time, even up to early 2000s. But then they would fade away just like all the other great video distributors of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somewhere way, 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 way deep in the two-man power trip archive, uh, I was able to find a Coliseum video executive that has since retired from his position that was there from the early days that talked about how he came to bring Coliseum video to the WWF. And it's like, man, to see where it went and how many people it reached, it's pretty fascinating. But yeah. I digress. We can uh, we can kind of move on to other things. I don't mean to wax poetic about my... Uh, my old interviews, you know, from back in no, the day. Well, you got to remind everyone what's going on here on the two-man power trip of wrestling. <laughs> I'm still Empire. here, folks. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. still here. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> wants to hear me, I'm on this show. But uh, nonetheless, let's uh, let's do a little wrestling trivia. Okay? All right. And it's all from this Good. era. I do this with Francine quite often. It's always fun. Good for a laugh. Um, especially when well, things get messed up, but you know, I was gonna say this could be particularly funny because I'm probably gonna embarrass myself here, but that's fine. I'm I'm down for that. I like uh, I can't answer the questions. I ask the questions, but um, th- th- this era it's interesting because if you didn't watch and you maybe caught stuff, I I would be kind of sh- surprised if people knew some of these answers. Uh, like this first question. So strap in. We're yeah. only, we're not gonna do this forever. But you no, are like fun. a trivia. You're like a go-to trivia guy now, so uh, that's why I like having you on. And I thought this was a perfect mix for you. Why are you so damn good at this? I, I don't know what where <laughs> this is coming from or why, but I'm, I'm up for it. I think we keep going until I get one right. So All right. this could be, this could be a four-hour show, but let's give it a go. All right, let me ask you this question here. In early 1993, yeah. Barry Darso, aka the Repo Man, left the WWF. After six years of service, he was also a uh, smash of demolition. Uh, what was his last angle before he departed? <laughs> was this, did, did WWR cover this? Because uh, I might have seen it, but. Um, I'd have. 93, you say. 1993, Barry Darso, a.k.a. the Repo Man, also Demolition Smash, left the WWF after six years of service. What was his last angle before he departed? I will give you a clue. Okay, yeah, give me a clue. It involved a Hall of Famer and something that meant uh, uh, a lot to him. It was a very dear piece of his. All right, so I'm going to – my first thought – and I'm pretty sure he's a Hall of Famer. I'm probably I might be way off, but I'm going to go. Did he have to repo uh, Jerry the King Lawler's crown? <laughs> very close. <laughs> it's very close. He actually he repoed the Macho Man's hat. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And the Macho Man yeah, beat him sense. on Monday Night Raw to uh, say goodbye to the Repo Man. And he, uh, unfortunately, was never seen up until the Repo Man came back at the 2001 Gimmick Battle Royal. I remember that. WrestleMania 18. I watched that WrestleMania live. One of the one of the early pay-per-views I got to watch live, which was good fun. That's a good one. WrestleMania 18 yeah, is definitely cl- a good one. That was a cracker. And, and it's that. also that, that Gimmick Battle Royal is 20, you know, 19 years old. And uh, at that point, they were making fun of it like it was 19 years old. Those guys were only like away from the company for like five years at that point. I know. It's crazy. That one, I was actually, well, about to turn 18 in about two weeks of that WrestleMania. You can drink at 18 in Australia. Oh, wow. Um, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) One of my friends was already 18. So, yeah, that was my first time drinking for a paper. I'm sorry. It's WrestleMania 17. I just just WWR'd myself. It was WrestleMania 17. What did you say? I I said 18. Oh, okay. When you said two thousand one, I knew which one you were talking about. So, yeah, you didn't need to correct yourself. I knew what I knew where you were at. No, 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 no. We got to be accurate on this show, <laughs> and I didn't even like have to have like a long dramatic pause to uh, correct myself. I just did it. I didn't. I didn't hear you say eighteen. I just okay. when you, when you said oh one, I was like, that's fine. Yeah, cool. How about this one? I'm gonna give you. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give you some multiple choices. Okay. Okay. During the summer of 1993, manager Doctor Harvey Whippleman. Brought a tag team to the WWF. What was this team? Was it 
the heavenly bodies well done men on a mission or the smoking guns you mean you mean harvey wimpleman by the way right <laughs> I'm a bit confused but um oh i feel like it's one of the two uh i'm going Men on a mission. You, my friend, are incorrect. Men on a mission was a rap duo led by Oscar. The team of Well Done, Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn, was actually brought to the WWF Uh, by Dr. Harvey Whippleman or Wimpleman. I I ruled out I ruled out the heavenly bodies and smoking guns. Do I get do I get some credit for knowing that it wasn't them? Yes, you do. You do. You're a <laughs> Jim Cornette experienced listener. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. How about this one? On November 24th, 1993, the WWF presented the seventh annual Survivor Series, which saw Shawn Michaels and three knights battle Bret Hart and three of his brothers. Which Hart brother was not involved in the match? Was it Owen Hart, Wayne Hart, Bruce Hart, or Keith Hart? God damn it. Um... <laughs> now, before you answer that, remember back to the recent episode. Oh, all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Owen then. <laughs> no, it wasn't Owen. It was uh, it was Wayne Hart. Ah, <laughs> oh, I said I, th- I said the do I was just with Husey. I said the Doofy Hart brother. <laughs> That's Wayne oh, Hart. <laughs> I, I was thinking about the the whole angle that they had. You know, um, Owen was the only guy eliminated from that match. Oh, okay, yeah. See, I didn't get to see any of this period, folks, and I am embarrassing myself right now. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, here we go. On January 10th, 1994, on a segment of Monday Night Raw, the Quebecers, or as Todd Pettengill will call them, the Quebecers, lost the WWF tag team titles in a complete upset. Who defeated the Quebecers on this night? Was it Marty Jannetty and Virgil? Marty Jannetty and the One Two Three Kid, the One Two Three Kid and Scott Putsky, or Jim Powers, or and Glenn Ruth. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> Jim Jim Powers, of course, known to some as the Jobber. He's know. a Jobber. He's a Jobber. So it can't be him, right? <laughs> I think it's one of the Jannetty ones. I'm going to go with. Um, I just don't know which Janetti one. Um, now, Marty Janetti and Virgil, or Marty Janetti and the One Two Three Kid. I'll go Janetti and the Kid. Damn it, you're one hundred percent right. Yes. <laughs> if I'm I have one next, I'd play it, but I'm just going to clap for you. <laughs> I keep it simple uh, here. That's a relief. Uh, very nice. Name. Look at that, Jim Powers and Glenn Ruth. Uh, Glenn Ruth, also known as Headbanger Thrasher. I, d- I knew that. Well, I didn't know which headbanger, but I knew he was a headbanger. So I, my knowledge isn't completely trash. See, good thing I didn't give you the answer to this one before. The hip-hop rapping tag team of Mabel and Moe, a.k.a. Men on a Mission, were a colorful pair during the WWF run. When the team competed as faces from 93 to 95, they had a rapping manager. What was his name? It is either Otis, Oscar, Oswald or Oliver. Now you know name Oswald like to rap. <laughs> did, no, you did say it, didn't you? I did. Well, I didn't not. think I said it. No, I think you did. It's Oscar, isn't it? Damn it, I know I did. I'm yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I blew that for myself, did I? I just blew myself. <laughs> you blew yourself? Did you put your kid yeah. through children? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Very good. He puts his kids through children. That's what I meant. To he say. does. Yeah. On uh, March 20th, 1994, at Madison Square Garden, the WWF presented WrestleMania 10, classic show, which saw WWF heavyweight champion Yoko Zuna battle Lex Luger in a match where the winner would face Bret Hart later in the card. Who was the special referee for the bout? Was it Ted DiBiase, Jim Cornette, Randy Savage, or Mr. Perfect? I'm going Mr. Perfect. You are correct. Absolutely Oof. perfect. Look at you. I'm now, it we like a to say you're right on at a this roll. point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. You're perfectly on a roll. Yes, perfect. Uh, to hype a match at SummerSlam 94, the Native American Tatanka would week after week on WWF telecast accuse his former friend Lex Luger 
of something. What was it? Was it claiming Luger had an affair with his wife, <laughs> which <laughs> Tatanka would know a lot about? Was it claiming that Luger had joined Ted DiBiase's corporation? Was it claiming Luger had taken steroids? Now, that would have been an interesting little nugget. Or was it that Luger had made racist comments about Native American? All right. Please I am... <laughs> I'm I'm familiar with your show to an extent, and I believe this one is accusing him of joining Ted DiBiase's corporation. You are absolutely correct. He did not make racist comments about Native Americans. <laughs> I'm not going to ask the steroid question. That's debatable. We weren't there. And um, as far as I know, he didn't have an affair with his wife. I think Lex Luger took care of that part <laughs> of his side of things. Uh, but yes, he he did accuse Luger of joining the Million Dollar Corporation. Damn it, we're talking about Luger again. Yeah, and I think I'm on the positive end now because I, I think I got three in a row wrong, maybe four, but I think I might be above 500. You're, you're up four right now. You're, nice. you're on. You're, you got four in a row. Uh, I'm not really keeping track, so you know. No. But we, we, I think you have four total right, which is meticulously iconic. It so is. on April second, nineteen ninety five, at WrestleMania eleven, the Smoking Guns were defeated for the WWF Tag Titles by Owen Hart and his mystery partner. Who did the late Owen Hart's mystery partner turn out to be? Was it Jeff Jarrett, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Yoko Zuna, or the British Bulldog? What year was this? This was 1995 WrestleMania 11. All right. So my first thought, no, because he had that he had that run with Yokozuna. Didn't everyone go on Yokozuna? Um, I could tell you that his mystery partner looked like a young Brian Pillman. Oh, TJ Toxic or JT, what? <laughs> Tony Toxic or? <laughs> No, he, he did not. I'm just kidding. Uh, your answer was what? Yokozuna. It is correct. It is Yokozuna, yeah, hey. who did right. not look like a young uh, Brian Pillman, but him and his strawberry blonde hair uh, <laughs> might have thrown you off. You're on fire at the moment. <laughs> I need to try and catch up here. Oh, man. All right. In early 1995, in another terrible gimmick, the youngest son of Bob Armstrong, Brian, began serving as a sidekick to Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett. Who was he known as at that point? Was it the real Double J, the Road Dog, the Roadie, or Jesse James with two M's? This one's um, a little bit easier for me. He was the Roadie at this point, right? Yes, that's correct. It was the Roadie. Look at that. Six in a row. Why the fuck is my Twitter going nuts all of a sudden? Oh, that's because everybody knew you were coming on. So, uh, you know, <laughs> word got out. <laughs> this question uh, may be a little controversial. Uh, this ECW star had a very bad stint in the WWF during the summer and fall of 1995, where he literally held the Intercontinental title for one night. Who was this wrestler? Was it Rob Van Dam, Big Al 911, Sabu, or one franchise, Shane? Douglas. <laughs> there, there's two that come to mind. I'm, I'm narrowing it down to two, but I'm going to give it to uh, the franchise. I have to say you are correct. My good old buddy there, the franchise. And I wouldn't even say he held it for one night. He held it for about 12 minutes and then had to <laughs> uh, lose that intercontinental championship to one razor Ramon. Uh, I was contemplating having Shane on to tell the story because it is one of my favorites that he does tell of how he found out, you know, that he was losing that night and also winning that night. So uh, it's a great story. If you've never heard it, he's told it on other shows, uh, but it just it's, uh, it's fascinating stuff. But yes, it is the franchise bonus points if you were to call him the Dean, but you called him Shane. You actually, uh, in a recent episode, called him the Dean, and my like ears perked up. I was like, "Is he about to talk about me?" Because <laughs> you actually led into it with my good friend, the Dean, and I'm like, "What? What? What?" what? But no, you, you didn't talk about me. You talked about Shane slash Troy. God, I love that guy. All right. During the summer of 1995, the rivalry between Bret Hart and King Jerry Lawler was renewed when Hart defeated Lawler at the 1995 King of the Ring in a bout where the loser had to kiss the feet of the winner. 
Lawler was aided in this feud by his dentist, Isaac Yankum, who would go on to be a genuine superstar in another persona. Who is Isaac Yankum? Is it Juventud Guerrero, Johnny Percocet, Steve Blackman, or Kane? Um, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, I thought I was going to be doing all of these references, but... It's definitely not Juventud Guerrero, uh, definitely not Johnny Percocet. Uh, what was the third option? Uh, the third option was Kane. I thought that, well, isn't that Oh, no, excuse options? me. The third option was Steve Blackman. The fourth option. All right, that's, all right, that's pretty random. Well, clearly it's Kane. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. This Actually, I had this in two separate spots. I don't know why people think that's a hard question. <laughs> but <laughs> nonetheless, it's... Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty good. That was the easiest way. As soon as you said Isaac Yankum, I'm like, is this going somewhere else, or is he just asking me who that is? Um, it's also what we'll say. I'll say Kane, Glenn Jacobs, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Uh, what else was he? The fake Diesel, corporate the Christmas Kane. creature. Was he the Christmas creature? Was the, was it, did, did he do that? The Christmas creature. He was the bomb. He was the jive store bro. He was a lot of stuff. <laughs> My buddy Glenn has had many persona in his wrestling career. Do you know? Speaking of Jive Store, bro, I just happened to go back and listen to an old, um, <laughs> old episode of WWR, uh -huh. and he said he said Jive Store, bro, back then too. Like he, he's always <laughs> thought it was Jive Store, bro. This was like a year and a half ago. He said it. So, oh my there gosh, you go. yeah. very, very. Uh, some. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to continue. I'll just keep continuing reading my questions here. At the yeah. 1995 Royal Rumble, the underdog team of Bob Holly and the 123 Kid upset Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka to win the vacant WWF tag titles. The following night on Raw, they were beaten by who was it? Well, yeah. This is 1995, the night after yep. the 95 Royal Rumble. Were the teams mm -hmm. that it was the teams that beat them? Pick which one was it? Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart, the men on a mission, the smoking guns, or the allied powers, Lex Luger and the British Bulldog. I have no idea. I'm going smoking guns. Well, you are correct. The oh answer is the smoking guns. Now, I've lost track. I'm on <laughs> how many you've had right. Now. <laughs> uh, but I think you're on like eight in a row at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm killing it at this. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're getting to the uh, to the home stretch here. That that was a stab in the dark. Though. That was a fluke. That was. Um, I had no idea on that one. As a man who's cured alcoholism, I would say that you absolutely have gone on a roll for sure. Okay, in January 1996, Steve Austin made his WWF debut and had a much different gimmick than his Stone Cold persona. What was the original name for Stone Cold Steve Austin? No multiple choice. Yeah, it's the ringmaster. You are correct. You are correct. Look at you. I, I threw you another softball. Yeah, that was a definite softball. Uh, that and, this, and okay. Isaac Yankum. This one, no multiple choice. This because this is gonna be a hard one. This one's gonna put an end to your streak. Yeah, you want to end the streak? That's fine. That's cool. That's fine. I'm, on January, bring, 11th, bring it at me, Brock. Bring it at me. <laughs> in uh, January 11th, 1993, the first ever telecast of Monday Night Raw was broadcast from the Manhattan Center in beautiful Manhattan, New York. What was the main event of that show? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you got me there. Um, first ever. I'm going to go. See, were they main events back then? Because I remember you railing on about it. They Did technically they actually... didn't call the main. It was just the last match. The last the... match. Last, yeah. <laughs> the last match. Um, <laughs> the last match. Uh, I'll go. Jeez, was it? Was that the Razor and one, two, three kid thing? That's a really good guess. It's incorrect, but that's a really yeah. good guess. That would happen a few months later. Uh, yeah. The main event was a staple of the WWF and WWE, The Undertaker, battling oh, the famed Damian Demento. Wow. There you go. There's a, I'll remember that now. You should. Take that with if you. It, yeah, if there's ever a quiz night that I'm at where... <laughs> 
you imagine be- me being in a quiz night in Western Australia and they, they drop what was the main event of the first ever war? <laughs> they would say to you, they would say, now there, folks, is an adult who thinks wrestling is real. <laughs> yes. You okay? Do you have the Get My Go page up on your screen? And I'm just reading questions. Or, or they, I'm just reading questions to you right here. Uh, the year 1993 was the first time the WWF presented its annual King of the Ring tournament on pay per view. The weeks leading up to the event saw various wrestlers compete for spots in the tournament. Two wrestlers had to compete three times before a clear cut winner was decided. Who were these wrestlers? Randy Savage and Lex Luger. Marty Jannetty and Bam Bam Bigelow, Tito Santana and Razor Ramon, or Mr. Perfect and Doink the Clown? I'll go Tito and Razor. That was a good guess. That was a good guess. Unfortunately, it's incorrect. Uh, Tito was nowhere near this this tournament. Uh, It was Mr. Perfect and Doink the Clown. Oh, I was going to fucking say that too. (laughs) Yeah, sure you were. (laughs) I just, I thought guys having to go three times, I thought Tito and Razor made, you know, more sense. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Last question. How about that? We'll end it. We'll end it on this one. Next score wins. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We'll just wipe the whole slate clean. Yeah. In the summer of 1994, the mighty beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow joined Ted DiBiase's million dollar corporation. Who had served as his first manager the previous year? Was it Johnny Polo, Mr. Fuji, Luna Vachon, or Jim Cornette? Hmm. That's interesting. I'm going to go. Not really. I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I've got no idea, but I've narrowed it down to two. So I'll go with my answer, and then I'll tell you, and then I'll find out if my second guess was right. I'm going to go Johnny Polo. Johnny Polo. Well, yeah. I've heard that Big, uh, Big Bam Bam Bigelow has not said that this person uh, rides his dick, but it was Luna Vachon. <laughs> that was my second fucking option, so yeah. There we go. <laughs> Come on, <Damn> man. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to shore up the topic here, all right? I'm trying to bring it back. To the trivia, you, you did pretty good. You know, you did pretty good. I can't uh, cast light on you in a negative way, but I will say you did very good for somebody who was taking a lot of guesses. But you also, come on, you genuinely knew some of these, but you listened to this show, so that's why. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm sitting here now trying to think of other, like, little smart little comments to make, but um, I, I, I think it's time for me to go to bed, really. I just... <laughs> It's true. We are in two different sides of the world. Uh, shit compared to stuff, you did great. Okay. It's, I'm very, you know, very like, happy with your performance. After about eight or nine in a row, I think it outlived my expectations. So, <laughs> I was flogging my dolphin at that point, and I think I got ahead of myself. <laughs> Look, you're not drugged out of your gore tonight. That's for sure. Uh, right. But I will say that, uh, you know, you did great. I'm uh, very proud. Well, in the same act aspect is we'll <laughs> probably get 32 million downloads. <laughs> now, if you want to enjoy some sex with some men, you listen to another show. <laughs> All right. We're just getting ridiculous now. Um, did you enjoy playing trivia with me? That was good fun. Uh, I, I thought I was going to crash and burn massively. And look, there were some embarrassing moments, but I think overall, um, I held my own and it's a podcast now, isn't it? So it is. I told you we riffed and we do some trivia. Uh, again, yeah. I really, I enjoyed the chat. I love hearing about what happened in spaces. I have no idea. And I love having people from other parts of the world on. I've had you, I've had a few folks from England come on. I've obviously had Husey come on. And for me as a, as a guy who really loves this era, I love to hear the crap I didn't know. And that, to me, is the best part of, of having you guys on. And I appreciate the time on a Tuesday night for you, on a Tuesday morning for me. And it's uh, it's really cool. You're, uh, you have a great podcasting personality. And hopefully, your podcasting journey continues. So what uh, what's going on in the world with the Aussie guy before we get out of here? Uh, thanks for having me on again, mate. Uh, 
yeah, obviously how you and I got to know each other was through Get My Go. So I always encourage anybody uh, to get out there and check out youtube.com slash Get My Go or any podcast platform, uh, search Get My Go. But I've actually started a new project and it's, look, it's nothing that probably your audience would be into, but you, you never know. Like I'm a big fan of an overnight sports talk radio show called The Ben Maller Show. And, uh, and he has a loyal fan base called the Mallon Militia. And a couple of us have got together and decided, you know what, let's let's do a podcast and let's like allow the Mallon Militia to, uh, to, to speak and, and all that. So that's what I've, I've currently taken on. It's called Malatown. So if you're interested at all in anything I've got to say, check out Malatown. First episode will be dropping over the next day or so. And, uh, and we'll be continuing on after that. So that's my new thing. But other than that, uh, you can just check me out on Twitter at that sussy guy and just imagine that Aussie guy and put an S where the A should be. Ben, was it Ben? Ma How do you say it? Ben Maller, M A L L E R. Okay, Ben uh, Maller. Ben Maller. Okay, all right. So he's not a minister or a pastor, right? He's not a he's not a pastor or a minister. Okay, uh, not at all. Okay, all right. No, it's very cool, man. I hope everything goes well with that. You know, like I've told you before, I think you you're a naturally funny guy. And you bring a lot to the shows, so hopefully it's a uh, it's a nice little uh, little journey for you. And best of luck. I don't know if the people who listen to New Generation Declassified would check it out, but I implore them to, just to uh, to hear something different. It's all about trying new things when you're out there in the podcasting world. I mean, I can only listen to so much wrestling stuff. I've really <laughs> I've got, I've gotten it down to about two people that I can listen to even talk about wrestling at this point. So, and I'm not one of them. So it's one, it's one of those things where it becomes a, your, your time is so precious with all the shows that are out there. I'm sure anybody you reach, especially if you bring in anybody new to listen to Ben Maller, I think that would be awesome. So damn it. Best of luck from your old buddy, the Chadster. But we'll, uh, we'll get out of here for today. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Instagram and Twitter. My website is IBExclusives.com. You can check out all my autograph signings and everything I got going on there, including purchasing the perfectly rated shirt uh, from the hit podcast, Get My Go, the perfectly rated shirt. Not only is it actually just like a good shirt, it actually looks pretty cool. So come check out IB Exclusives for that, as well as this website, TMPTEmpire.com. All the webs, all the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella, including our association with the Vince Russo Russo brand, where you can check out myself, John Paz, and the franchise Shane Douglas every single week on the Triple Threat Podcast, podcasting the franchise's way, which you know, no strings attached, unedited, and very raw, to use a, a wrestling uh, phrase. And finally, the Queen of Extreme, Francine, and I eyes up here on Patreon, as well as the Creative Control Network. Come join the Queen of Extreme and her brand of podcasting, which is a little different. And I think everybody, uh, if you like a little bit of everything, that's your uh, your podcast to go to. But that's enough out of me. We will check you next week here on New Generation Declassified. So for the Aussie guy, this is the American guy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.